Okay. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the presentation. First, I would like to thank you that you give me some of your valuable time to, to do this. And it's really a pleasure to have this opportunity to share the experience with you. So the main goal of this session is actually that when you leave this room, you should understand why Puma was or is investing actually nearly half a billion euros in a true omnichannel DC. To get there, I will be talking about changes in the distribution network, about key elements which need to be considered, and a solution which is future-proof. Just before I start, about a quick introduction about myself. So my name is Stipe Galic, and I'm working for TGW for about seven years in various countries and various positions. And my main responsibility is to collect together with industry management the market needs and recognize the business challenges, and afterwards design with our development team solutions which become enablers for our customers and allow them to actually be successful in this unpredictable world today. If we look at the agenda, it will be split up in five main points. So first we will talk about some key facts and figures about Puma to get it a bit closer to you. Afterwards about the supply chain strategy, how does it look today? What were the issues and where has the decision came from to, to change it and how it will look in the future? As a third point, we will tackle the solution and I will show you what is the solution which makes Puma's vision reality and what does it contain? And then we got up to a timeline showing, okay, this was where the project st uh, stands today and when it will end and what are the important things to consider. And finally, I will finish with opportunities and outlook which Puma sees by having this solution. So if we look at the numbers, so Puma was founded in 1948 in Germany in a small village. And actually, there were two brothers, and one of them founded Puma, and the other one founded Adidas. Puma has today approximately about 12,000 employees and about 800 stores all over the world. And it's a 4.5 billion company. If we look at the distribution sales split, we still see that the major part of Puma is handled in, in wholesale, and retail is smaller with 24%. But what you have to consider, within retail, so within this number, Puma is also considering e-commerce, but it makes just 2 to 3% out of this 24. But also, additionally to that, wholesale is 76, but wholesale is for Puma not wholesale, how you maybe know it, so huge orders, pallets, sending, pack and hold of 10 days and then getting to a customer. They have also a sort of direct-to-consumer strategy direct for wholesale. I will tackle this in a minute. And if you look at the geographical split, you can see APEC is currently the smallest area, but it's also growing the most. And Puma's target is to really achieve an equal split between all three markets. And as a final, from the Puma numbers, the product split, you can see 47% are still footwear or are footwear, and Puma declares themselves as a, as a footwear company, even though apparel is growed a lot during the last years, and it's now at 38%, and accessories are at 17 If you look at the supply chain, I mean, Puma, Puma has one motto, and it's in a slogan, which is called Forever Fast, which means for them fast products, fast teams. But the question is, how does this relate, or how does this go in regards to the, to the supply chain? If we look at the supply chain, one of the key objectives for Puma was 
to be a flexible service-oriented partner who is easy to do business with. And because that's not the case today, but that's what they're really aiming for. So speed is one thing, but on another side is also really to be a partner everybody would wish to work with. And to get there, they recognize, okay, we need to do something, we need to design solutions in the supply chain or in the warehouse, which consider following aspects. I mean, they need to be secure, they need to be fast and flexible, obviously modern, and they need to have some sort of scalability that they can address the future with it. And there were three main actions. So it was the DC network, the universal IRP, and the AOE status. And within this presentation, we will mainly focus on, a, on the DC network. So if we look today how, how Puma is organized, it's a completely decentralized network of DCs. I mean, I'm just tackling Europe within this presentation, but you see all the red dots are spread around. And where does it come from? It's just based historically because all the markets were doing their own distribution. They were th thinking about how they can sell the product best and how they can transport it, and everybody was doing it for themselves. So mainly there were manual systems, just a few little automated systems, the inventory level was obviously high, and there were separate disease for B2B and B2C. However, Puma recognized that there was a change required already earlier and started a, a pilot project in Scandinavia, because you can see there is just one red dot there. Even though they had five or six, six disease there, they decided to centralize over there and, and try it as a small pilot for this actually what they are planning right now to centralize whole Europe. If you look at the increasing customer demands, I mean, these customers, they never behave the way like they should do. They were these field accounts and others, and they had a certain range of requirements, which Puma was able to address for, for a long time. But then these gay players came into the game. So on the one side, they are the key accounts. On the other side, the online retailers. And oh, they, were, they are growing actually like hell. But growth, it's actually good. It's actually great. but. The problem, it comes also with a lot more demands than Puma was prepared and what they could fulfill because the key accounts were asking them additional tasks, they asked evaluated service, the cross-talking process, and the DCs were just not prepared for that. And on the other side, that was even the biggest trouble, the platforms. All this modern stuff came, came to the world and these guys, they wanted to they wanted to be small orders to be shipped directly to their DCs, directly to their customers, fast turnarounds, the delivery, the SLAs. They actually challenged everything that was normal in, in, the Puma, in the Puma organization. The trouble which they have is actually, like I said to you before, the warehouse organization was like following, so they had B2B warehouses and the B2C warehouse. And the supply chain was looking like following, so the, the, the stuff came to the harbor, it went to the B2B warehouse, then it went to the B2C warehouse, and then it ended up at the customer. So a lot of stops, and the problem was that the B2C warehouses didn't have the whole inventory in there. So the B2C warehouses were just able to access 30,000 SKUs, even though Puma had within there 60,000. So Puma decided from one day to another to merge these two DCs and within a manual warehouse, not with the new one, and from one day to another, they doubled their sales. They were bringing out product which had this much dust on the cartons and selling it through their e-commerce channels. So the sales was great, sales was fantastic, but the problem they had, the service level was not good enough. Not good enough for a company which puts forever fast as a slogan. 
So, and the reason for that was, this was mainly manual disease based still on VNA racking, on manual picking, quite slow processes, a lot of dependencies. And they recognized, okay, we need to do there something. So, about the solutions, I mean, Puma declares themselves still as a marketing company, like probably most fashion companies do. And within these companies, I mean, marketing is king and the products are king. And logistics is just there to deliver and to be cheap, actually. And that's what the Puma team did. They delivered cheap solutions, but very successfully. They were able to address the market in a, in a very good way. And therefore, nobody was speaking about logistics. The customers was happy, and everything was fine. And they were doing this for a long period, but then they came to a position where they say, hey, this is not working any longer because the costs are too high, the service level is too bad and they managed to convince their senior management to go for a centralized DC, which is a truly omnichannel warehouse. And when I speak about a truly omnichannel warehouse, it's really a warehouse which can breathe, which can adapt to the omnichannel world. It's not just doing e-commerce and retail under one roof, separated. It's one hard piece which can do all of it together. So what are the requirements for the future DCs? the service level, the service level of today and the service level of tomorrow because today we often see service levels of two or three days in the retail business, e-commerce is normally next day, but tomorrow this might change and even retail will ask for service levels which are next day or e-commerce will need to do same day or even, I mean, we worked with companies and they were asking that every order which gets in till 3 p.m. in the afternoon gets out till 6 p.m. So this is quite challenging stuff, and if your DC is not prepared for that, then you can't do your business how you do it, and your warehouse becomes your bottleneck. And that was something which Puma didn't want at all, so they said, we also want to have one central inventory, which we can access all the time and all available use to, to keep the sales as high as possible, and flexibility in performance. And flexibility in performance in the slogan we use as TGW, which is mastered and predictable, which means they want to be able to do small orders, big orders, wholesale, e-commerce, and retail in any way it comes. And even to a point where we said, by designing such warehouses, it doesn't even make sense to speak about business channels. Because the reality is that the order profile just gets so small and they become nearly the same. If you take an assumption and say, I will design for one certain use case which has a retail high split and a wholesale high split, assuming the orders are big and huge and you design for that, and this changes, it, it won't work. Yeah? And that's actually what Puma, was also, what, what, what Puma was, also, was also facing because, for example, with the online retailers, which I mentioned before. So usually the process was that Puma ships something to Zalando, Zalando puts it on their platform, they sell it and ship it to the customer. But with the social media today, and for example, somebody posts on Instagram a great Puma shoe, is it Usain Bolt or Selena Gomez, and Zalando puts it on a web page, they sell it like hell. The problem is Zalando didn't have the stock of it, so they are asking Puma to ship directly to, to the end customers. And suddenly wholesale becomes an e-commerce business. And that's what the DC needs to be prepared of. And that's the flexibility which it needs to have. Independent from order or business channels, it must be able to address the smallest order profiles. And this is obviously small e-commerce orders. 
And the final point was how to deal with labor scarcity. So it was clear that this DC needs to be highly automated because to get labor in Germany, all, all over the world, is, is quite difficult. Landscape is, is, is also expensive, so the automation degree has to, be, has to be quite high. And that's what we were aiming for. So if we look at the key figures, here you can see the building. And the plan is that the site goes live in, in 2021. So there is a huge storage area with 730,000 storage locations and everything in shuttles. So there is no split between mini loads and shuttles. Everything is stored in shuttles. And again, economically, purely on a balance sheet, maybe it would have been better to design a part in the mini loads as a reserve stock and then use the shuttles as a, as a picking engine. But back to the topic which we said about flexibility, Puma said, but we don't really know how all this will behave. We would like to have full flexibility. And therefore, they went for a full, full shuttle. So they have additional spare capacity to be able to address whatever comes in the business. So in this DC, we have 122,000 SKUs. And they process about 74 million items a year. And the DC currently, without extending the land, has still a capacity of plus 10% growth on e-commerce. And when I say on e-commerce, I mean to process small orders. So if you would go on retail, whatever, it's probably plus 20 or plus 30%. So these are the capabilities of, of the system. And if you look on the, on the peak days where we designed it to, so on the B2B peak day, Puma is processing 608,000 pieces a day. And on the B2C, they are processing 34,000 pieces a day. Translated into water lines because that's the base of the design of the system. And then finally, shuttle locations, which peak about 9,500 water lines an hour and 13,500 movements in a shuttle. So if you would say, a shuttle does approximately 50 movements in and out. We are speaking here about 270 to 300 shuttles in this system. And then there is the second peak day, which is B2C, on pieces not as high as the B2B peak, but very demanding for a solution because everything is split case picking. There are no full cases, so you, read, you really need to touch every single item and pick them in very, very small orders. Yeah. And the order lines in this case would be 7,000, and the shuttle load carriers in and out power would be at 9,000. So if we look at the material flow of the system, now it looks quite easy, but this was not always like that. When we started designing the solution, we started discussion, what are the fast movers? What are the slow movers? Oh, this is, these are some accessories. Maybe we could deal with them differently. And at the beginning, we started designing a solution which was somehow optimized for one use case. But the deeper we got in the process, actually, we were thinking, what are we doing here? Why are we doing that? Because who knows what will be the fast movers tomorrow and the slow movers? Who, will, who knows how the accessory share will grow compared to apparel? So we said, no, we have to go really for one straightforward solution which can deal with everything. And then the result was following that the process looked like that, that we receive in the inbound cartons mainly, some pellets, we throw the cartons on the conveyors, the cartons get trade, they go within the shuttle engine, and then they go to the pick stations where they get picked. So this part, the combination out of shuttle engine, the conveyors in between, and the pick stations, that's what we call flash pick. So this is a, the TGW goods to person system. And we process it there actually just with one touch, 
and we are finishing the order. So we pick directly out of the source in a target carton and finish the order there. So it's actually a one-touch operation. You just t touch the items once and the carton can leave the warehouse. Despite it can need evaluated service, then it will require a second touch. And packing, we install the automatic lines where carton gets height reduction, then they get closed and they go directly out to, to outbound. Either direct fluid loading of trucks, vans, or we ship it via pellets. So we will focus within this presentation on the hard piece of the system, which is the goods to person order fulfillment, because that's where the big costs are and that's where the big performance is happening. And thinking seven years back in TGW, we, we started thinking, what are the market actually, what are the market challenges? What, what does the market need and what do we need to design for? Because we used also to design on based on conveyor performances, based on transfer elements, and then we started doing R&D on solutions. And the three key points which we recognized was somehow we need to address this unpredictable demand because as always said, nobody knows what's gonna happen. The service level is increasing. Everybody wants everything faster or not even faster. They want to have it maybe at exactly that point delivered and everybody wants accurate orders. Nobody wants to get something at home or the stores to get something which is just wrong. So we, we know, okay, we need to push on that. And the last one was obviously labor scarcity which was clear needs to be addressed because it's getting more and more difficult in the future. So we thought, is there actually a solution which, which can address all of this? And we came up with a GTP order fulfillment called FlashPick, which is based on a shuttle block, conveyors, pick stations, and the software suite above it, and all of these components play seamlessly together. And this is the solution which is or should be able to deal with all that. And how are we doing that is, so the first point was labor scarcity. How do, we, how do we tackle this? We said, okay, obviously we need to increase the labor productivity. And the way how we did this, we designed one-to-one -one pick stations. So you have one source on your side, you have one target on the other side, which gives you an extremely easy picking. I mean, as soon as you can read the number and count, you can work on this pick station and you can achieve sustainable rates of 600 picks per hour. And looking at this, you see how easy the process is. And with that, and with this figure of 600 picks per hour, I mean, this looks great on a TCO calculation. And actually, we are also showing on our booth this station. So whoever wants to see it, get a feel and touch, feel free, feel free to come. So this is the labor scarcity, how we tackled it. Then we thought, okay, how are we gonna do that with the service level? Because we knew, okay, we need to reduce the order lead times and again, thinking back, we, we were speaking about service level today and tomorrow. So it needs to be prepared and ready that it can address whatever comes and the accuracy of picking. And the way how we dealt with this, so you see here two pictures. One is a ferry and the other one is a bridge. And the ferry is representing somehow an, an old-fashioned or a batch system, which waits till a lot of people come together and then it crosses the bay and brings them on the other side. And it does its job, but it seems it's neither flexible nor, nor somehow really, really helping you to increase the service level. So we follow the approach by designing the system that we will design the system in a discrete way. And discrete you would describe like a bridge. So you can imagine each car is one order and they just cross the bridge independently. So nobody is waiting or nobody 
they just flew. Yeah? And there, if you have an urgent order, it just takes the fast line and it goes. And that's how you can really ensure that you get the best possible service level because there are no dependencies. It's a pure single order management approach. So if you look at it and summarize it, so because of the discrete system, we can achieve order lead times of 15 minutes. So the system drops an order to us, we pick it, send it out to shipping, and everything is done is 15 minutes. So if you think maybe today it's too fast, maybe today we don't need it, some of the people don't need it, but for the future, I think everything goes towards that. Yeah? And if you can do that, you can actually address anything. Because, I mean, I had an interview and they asked me what are the millennials' expectations, how to, to maintain them, whatever. I think you, or change them. I think we can't maintain or neither change them, but we have to be to ready that we can fulfill what they are asking for. And this can change from week to week, this can change from month to month. And with having this 50 minutes orderly time, you can, you can do a lot to make them happier. The prioritization of urgent orders, like I said, this is possible. So our customers are able to say, okay, look, these are maybe my premium customers or whatever. They can choose how they want to have it and prioritize that orders and they get processed. And 15 minutes is an average time, so this is not the minimum. The system can process the orders even faster. And as an order within 15 minutes, I'm always speaking about a carton order. Obviously, if you have a wholesale or retail order which contains out of 20 pellets, then it will be a bit more. And the highest accuracy is guaranteed for that, that we have this one-to-one -one picking. So you cannot put it in a wrong target. The only mistake you can make would be by counting. But for that, there is also a solution because at the pick station, we can install scanners, so you can scan all of the barcodes and make sure that you really achieve 100% accuracy. Or even if you have a RFID text, send them through a RFID tunnel, and if everything is okay, the carton can leave, and if it's not okay, we bring it back to the pick station and finish the pick. And that's how you can really leave the highest possible accuracy levels. So in the final one was this unpredictable demand. And we say, how can you actually solve this to make everybody happy? Your retail shops, your wholesale customers, and also e-commerce, and we said, we have to design one system which is really able to deal with all the channels. So like I said, designing it independently from the business channels, just designing it to be able to do the smallest possible orders which can appear in your system and all the time. So, and how is this possible? As I already mentioned, <coughs> like a bridge, it, uh, they are processed individually and it's independent of the order profile because the operation is just based on order lines. So you design your system for a certain amount of order lines and you can always process this amount of order lines. doesn't matter if you use them for retail, for wholesale or for e-commerce. And if it's for somebody not clear, I mean, what we call as an order line is you can imagine if you have a grocery list, your grocery list would be one order and the line where you say I need two times SQA, so this would be the order line. So this is the amount. So this is the amount of order lines we design a system for, and this is the amount of order lines you can process always, yeah? independently from the order profile. And we can achieve any combination of small and large orders, and this brings us back to the to the pick center. There are some other strategies behind, but the pick center is the main reason, because at the back of the pick center we have a sequencer, a sequencer which can breathe, and if you have very big orders. You just need a few sequencer positions, and if you have very small orders, you need more. And this is something which is always adaptable. 
But when we design the station from the beginning, we always consider it whatever comes, maybe you need to add a few more positions, but you will always be able to build with it. So it will never happen that the system becomes a bottleneck due to the order size. And the final one, like I already mentioned, is this no dependency between the orders because it's a single order management approach. So looking at all these three points again, what we said finally, how can we address the unpredictable demand is one solution for all channels. The service level, we need to be fast, responsive and accurate. That's achieved by discrete mode. That's achieved by one-to-one -one picking. And finally, the labor uh, scarcity with highest productivity by one-to-one -one pick stations, which can do 600 picks an hour. So now looking at the overall Primo solution, I will show you how, how it looks like rightfully. So I could talk a whole day about it, but if you want to know more, you can, you can come to our booth and then I will tell you more. But how does it look roughly there above? You get the inbound. Like I said, all the cartons get put on the conveyors, just a single touch. They get automatically trade, and then they are put into this big shuttle block there. Then you see the row of pick stations, and this is just level one, where they get picked, and afterwards they go to outbound. On level two, the shuttles are still there. There is a second level of pick stations. And then you have here multi-purpose stations. We can either be value-added service stations or packing stations. You can, you can assign them however you want. It's just the destination mapping on the software. And the, and the operations manager says, OK, today I need this amount of value-added service, this amount of packing, and they can be assigned. So really, really fully flexible. So if you look at the building, so it's a 1.2 million square feet property area. It's about 680,000 square feet building space and 240,000 square feet of extension. So this is top on this plus 10% which I, which I was mentioning. And I mean, one key aspect is sustainability for Puma and they want to achieve CO2 neutrality with, with this building. Yeah. So if we look at the timeline, I mean, the most important date is when we said the go live in April 2021. We started the, uh, at the beginning 2018, we started the project. And there was a quite long, let's say, planning phase. And maybe you will think, but why the hell are we planning six months as such a system? But actually, I, or at least our experience is this is the most important phase to make a project a success. So if you do this kind of projects, never hire in that phase, because that's where you, if you do it properly, afterwards everything can go smoothly. And this is the case that we have with Puma today. So everything is on track, and in April 2021, the site should go live. So looking at the opportunities and the outlook which Puma sees, so this disease is ready for future growth in B2C or B2B, whatever comes prepared. The high responsiveness to new requirements, this was, this was really key. Because, I mean, what I told you, the example with Zalando, that they asked them to ship directly. Obviously, Puma could say, no, I don't do this because our contract is, you are, the, you are the wholesaler, so ship it directly by yourself. Why are you making myself troubles? But again, coming back to my first statement, they said, we want to be a partner easy to deal with. So if I can help you to do that, then I will, then I will build something which is able to support all of that. And that's what they have or are achieving with that solution. There is an unlimited access to all SKUs, which means sales can be kept extremely high. And it's a lean process, like it's just straightforward. 
what I haven't mentioned, there are still some manual areas in the building, but very small, and that's mainly because some guys improve because they had manual system, they still asked, hey, let's put a bit of pellets in there because we are used to them and maybe we will never need them, but there should be a space where we can have them. So there is still a small room where we have considered them. And summing it up all together, this becomes really, really an enabler for their, for their business. And on the outlook, the first deliveries are planned in April 2021. It's a step-by-step -step integration of European Puma units because actually I didn't mention it, I mean, this project is, the first step is integrating Germany, Austria, and Switz, which we call the Dach region, and then afterwards inter, uh, um, putting in all the European stuff additionally to that, to a certain degree when it gets full and then they maybe need to build another one. But they want to get rid of this defragmented structure all over Europe and actually all over the world. Yeah. And they have already constructed arrangements for the ex extension, so they are, they are already done. So they look forward in a really, really promising future. And I mean, summing it up in a, in a nutshell, I would say with, with this solution, logistics becomes really an enabler for Puma. It will be their strong backbone which will support the business, whatever comes, and that's what what were difficult today because the business was actually asking for better service levels, but the logistics couldn't fulfill that. And now it's the opposite. Logistics should be able with this solution to fulfill all the needs business has to be really successful. So this was it mainly from our or from my side. And you can ask now any questions if you want or visit us afterwards or the next days at the booths 7605. We have the pick station there, so you can try it out by yourself. And if you want to know more details about Puma, I'm free and I'm happy to share it with you. Thank you. Are there, are there any questions? So, in, in Germany, in the first phase, they have 20, 20 distribution centers, which they will combine in one. This is the first step. And then they will add Swiss and Austria. And about the concrete plan about all the European diseases is, is not made, or at least not shared yet with us. But Germany has currently 20 diseases, which is actually, if you think crazy, Germany is not, it's, it's not US or something, you know, to have 20 diseases for that. But that's the first step, to summarize 20 diseases into one. The picking or the in items per year or, or per so per day the pieces were six and six hundred fifty thousand uh, uh, pieces. This was the B two B pick, and out of that, the orders always depend how much you will do retail, wholesale, or e commerce. But you could process the six and a half, uh, six, six, six hundred fifty thousand pieces. Yeah. Any other? Exactly, yeah. so the system will process every business channel. The, the thing is, they don't, have, they don't have a real replenishment because they have just one big engine 
and out of there, everything is stored in the shuttles. So it's not a reserve stop that you need to replenish something. They have everything in one shuttle and they can receive every single load carrier at every single station. And there is no dependency between the stations in our solution. So we start an order at a station and we finish it at a station. So really no dependencies and we work always at, at one order at a station or we open multiple orders over multiple stations. But everything is done with there. And that's actually the fully flexible approach to allow really every SKU to reach every station. And that's why you, in this case, don't need a replenishment. If you would have a mini load which replaces the shuttle, it would be also be required. Make sense? Anybody else? Can you, can you repeat again, please? They, so the first plans they have, I think, is to, to finish this in Europe, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure that they will do it in the US because we see it with all our other customers. I mean, these demands are not just, just Puma. I mean, everybody who lives and works in the fashion industry is, is suffering the same issue, so it's, it's just the next step. Anybody else? Okay. Then thank you, and hopefully we we'll see each other at the booth if you are interested in something else. Thank you.